Ministries International asks the question, can God transform an entire city? Evangelist Daniel King, his wife Jessica, and their children, Caleb and Katie Grace, along with a team of over 40 missionaries, traveled to the city of Barahona in the Dominican Republic to find out. The team spread out across the city looking for people who needed Jesus and invited them to the crusade. We were handing out flyers today and uh, a lot of people got saved. A TV channel even invited them to talk about miracles. Let's have a look at the highlights from their outreaches. The team spotted a basketball game and the court quickly became a platform to talk about Jesus. A simple game of dominoes became a chance to give an altar call and add an outreach for baseball players. 121 young men made an eternal decision and gave their lives to Jesus. The missionaries turned their attention to the local body of Christ, working in unity with local believers. The team ministered in churches across the city to encourage local believers to be soul winners. All the pastors in the city were then invited to a formal banquet and the team served them food and ministered to them. During the women's conference, Jessica and Katie Grace ministered to the women. On the first night of the crusade, a crowd gathered together. As Jessica began to lead the people in a worship song, rain began to pour, but Jessica kept singing and the people stayed. Then Daniel took the stage and preached and souls were saved. Each night the crowd grew in size as people heard about what was happening at the crusade. Accident? Accident. Tell me about the accident. And, and, and tell me, what? What did your leg feel like? And tonight Jesus has touched you? I Begin to move your leg? Can you jump up and down a little bit? Let's clap for Jesus! This woman here had severe back pain, he made the decision that she was going to be healed. And the pain in her back was completely gone. Where did you have pain in your body? Yeah, that this lower back. Here in your back. I want you to begin to move your back. How do you feel? She came with a cushion to sit on because she could not stand up for very long. But tonight, Jesus has touched her the pain has disappeared, and now she is so happy because Jesus has healed her. Mama, let's dance. Vamos a bailar. Oh, look at this smile. Look at her big smile. One year ago, this woman had a stroke and she's not been able to talk and it's been very difficult for her to swallow. Sister, could you please take a drink and show us what Jesus has done? She can swallow. Jesus has cured her from the effects of this stroke. Sister, can you talk now? By the time the crusade was finished, great joy filled the city. 
total of 492 people were saved. Thank you for supporting the King family on their mission trip to the Dominican Republic. Because of your prayers and your support, a city was transformed for eternity. To help us with our next outreach, please visit www.kingministries.com. All right, well, we want to say thank you so much to the Father's House for supporting us in missions as we go around the world. We've now been to over 70 nations around the world, and we've seen uh, hundreds of thousands, uh, over 2 million people now that have given their lives to Jesus. And uh, this church has been so faithful in supporting us and helping us every single month. And so thank you so much for helping us to go to the nations around the world. The salvations and miracles you saw there in the Dominican Republic are because of you. So give yourselves a great big hand. You guys are a big blessing. On the last Sunday of this month, the 28th, we are going to have a big banquet for King Ministries. And so we'd love to invite all of you to come to the banquet. There is a personal invitation for you in your uh, brochure, if you'll just look at it. And we're going to have great food at the banquet. How many of you like food? Anybody here like food? Jessica, tell us about what we're going to be eating. Chinese food. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be catering from Asian Garden next door. It's going to be at the Father's House offices. My mother is in charge of the banquet menu. So if you don't like it, talk to her afterwards. <laughs> And the banquet is free. We just ask that you RSVP so we know how much food that we should order. And so there's a number there of uh, Miss Angela at the bottom of the invitation. If you could uh, call her and let her know uh, if you're coming and how many people you be able to bring. Uh, we'd love for anyone who has a heart for missions and wants to hear stories about what God is doing around the world to come to the banquet. So you all are welcome to come to that. All right. Thank you, guys. Um, that video, I don't know if you saw, but Caleb was in charge of doing all of the, the footage. I, I gave him my camera, and he took it very seriously. He took really good pictures. And then Katie ministered to people with uh, her playing the piano. And so we're turning them into little missionaries. And so give Caleb and Katie a great big hand. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about pictures of the gospel. This really came about because I was uh, reading a book about uh, Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple Computers, uh, right after he died. And uh, in this book, it was talking about the icon on the Apple computer, which is uh, an Apple with a, a bite taken out of it. And uh, as I was reading about how he came up with this icon, I, I read that he kind of had an idea of that, that bite taking out of the apple representing forbidden knowledge, which kind of reminds us of the story of Adam and Eve uh, and how Adam and Eve, they went and they, they touched the fruit when God told them not to touch the fruit. And so when I read that, I said, oh, that's interesting well, since he kind of had this idea of forbidden fruit in his mind, what if we could turn 
that Apple icon into a picture that would help me to share the gospel with people. And so I'm an evangelist called by God to be an evangelist ever since I was like five years old. And so as an evangelist, I'm always looking for creative ways to strike up a conversation or to share the gospel in a creative way. And so I hired an artist, and he kind of uh, put together this picture that has a picture of Adam and Eve uh, there uh, in in. From this picture, you can share the entire gospel story about how Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and because of that, sin entered the world. But because of Jesus on the cross, we can all be set free from sin. And so I, I printed it up and put it on my computer, and I write a lot of books. And so I spent a lot of time at Starbucks or other coffee places um, on my computer, just researching and writing. And I found that this little thing has uh, helped me to start conversations. People go by and they're like, why do you have two naked people on the back of your computer? I said, well, let me tell you why. And I'll be, use that to start sharing the gospel. And even one time, I was on an airplane and sat next to a Muslim guy, and he had some questions about it. And, and from this sticker on the back of my computer, ended up having a three-hour conversation with this Muslim guy about who Jesus is and, and, and God's plan of salvation. And so from this, I started thinking, you know, what are some other ways uh, that we can communicate uh, the gospel. And, and so I want to give you some ways this morning that will kind of tell you some, some ways, hopefully, that, that you maybe could communicate God's gospel, God's good news plan to people that you come across. And so uh, if I was to sit down for coffee with someone... And they had the question, how can I be saved? Or what does it mean to be a Christian? Um, this is what I would probably take them through. I would probably take that person through something called the Romans Road to Salvation. And that is a plan to show God's plan of salvation just from one book of the Bible. And so what I did in my Bible... And this is what I would recommend that, that you would do in your Bible, too. So if you have your Bible, uh, you can just open it up and, and do this right now. Or maybe you left your Bible at home. You can do it when you go back to home. But just, just so that you're ready to share God's good news with people, um, what I do is I, I go through and beside each one of the verses on the Romans road, I, hi I highlight the verse in my Bible, and then beside it, I write the reference that shows the next place that you should go. And so this way, you can kind of go all the way through and kind of communicate the gospel with someone if you have the opportunity to do it. So the first verse I look at is Romans 3, verse 23, which talks about the reality of sin in this world. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so if you want to talk about sin and the need for God in this world, that's a good place to start. And actually that whole chapter of Romans 3 talks about sin and the reality of sin. So like verse 10 says, there's no one righteous, not even one. 
Every single one of us have made mistakes. Like Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God's commands. And all of us have disobeyed God's commands. We've all done things that are wrong. And because of that, all of us need a Savior. And the reason we need a Savior is because of the second step on the Romans road, which is Romans 6.23. So right beside Romans 3.23, then I just wrote right here in the margin of my Bible, Romans 6.23. And so that, that tells me, okay, after I read this first verse, then I can flip over to this next verse. And it, it says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so this tells me that there's a price that has to be paid for sin. The Bible says the price for sin is death. But the good news is that Jesus paid the price for sin when he died on the cross. And so that's the third step on the Romans road is the payment for sin, which is found in Romans 5.8. So right there beside Romans 6.23, then I wrote really small about Romans 5.8. So I know that that's the next place that I'm supposed to turn. And so Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so even though all of us have sinned, we've done things that are wrong, none of us are perfect, while we were still sinners, Christ actually gave his own life and he paid the price so that we could be set free from sin. And so that is the payment for salvation. Then right beside that, I wrote Romans 10, 9, and 10 which says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And then the next wonderful verse is Romans 10, verse 13, which as an evangelist, this is my favorite verse in the whole Bible. I love this verse. It says that everyone who calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. And so sometimes people make it sound really complicated in order to be saved, but really salvation is very simple. Salvation is simply calling on the name of Jesus. Everyone who calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. So I think someone can be saved really easy, even if they're driving fast in a car right along the edge of a cliff and they accidentally drive the car off the edge of the cliff between the time the car leaves the pavement and it hits the bottom and explodes, if they'll just call out, Jesus, that person could be saved if they'll just call on Jesus. And so come on this morning, let's call on the name of Jesus. Everyone just lift up your hands to heaven and everyone say, Jesus. Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Jesus. If you'll call on Jesus this morning, he will save you from your sins and give you a brand new start. And so then once someone uh, calls on Jesus in order to be saved, then we can start talking about some of the results of salvation. And so the next place I would take someone is to Romans chapter 5, verse 1, <coughs> which says, Therefore... Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I love this word peace because there, actually when we get saved, there is a peace that comes into our life. We have peace with God and we have peace with one another. And, and there is a supernatural peace that comes 
when we get saved. Before people are saved, uh, they're really at war in their spirit between them and God. But then after you get saved, after you trust Jesus for your salvation, then you can experience the peace of God which passes all understanding. And then another benefit of salvation is found in Romans 8.1, which says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So before people get saved, the devil is a master at bringing condemnation upon those people. And the devil will, will say all kinds of mean things. The devil will say, you're good for nothing. You're, you're never going to amount to anything. The devil will lie to people. And he will condemn people, say, you're, you're not good enough. You're, you're, you're not, God can never accept you. You've made too many mistakes. And so there's that, that condemnation that comes from the devil. But Romans 8.1 tells us that, after we get saved, one of the results is that there is therefore now no condemnation. Everyone say no condemnation. And, and so we don't have to listen to the voice of the devil anymore because instead of the devil saying you're good for nothing, now we begin to hear God's voice to say you're valuable, you're wonderful, you're beautiful, you're created in my image, I love you. And then we can have an assurance of salvation which is found in Romans 8, 38 and 39. It says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so nothing can separate us from God. And so a lot of people worry, like, okay, someone get saved, you know, can they, can they lose their salvation? And, and, and some people get really worried about that. But I think we can really have an assurance of our salvation and say that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And so uh, I would encourage you, take your Bible out, mark each of those verses, highlight them, go through them, and then right beside each one, put the reference so that if you ever have a chance, if someone asks you, you know, how can I be saved or what does it mean to be a Christian, you can sit down with your Bible and, and share with them, you know, over a cup of coffee, over a cup of tea or something, and, and tell people what does it mean to, to be a Christian. And using those verses, just in one book of the Bible, you can very easily communicate God's plan of salvation for people. Now, here's another uh, picture of salvation that maybe could help us diagnose uh, people. Um, I have three pictures of chairs. And so this first picture of a chair, it has a big S on a chair. And the big S stands for yourself, self. And so this is... Uh, a picture of a lot of people's lives that they have put their self on the throne of their own heart and they are very self-centered and they say, I want what I want the way that I want it. And all of these dots and circles represent different priorities in their life, you know, family, school, uh, fun, going to the movies, just all the different things in their life. But you'll notice that this, this circle Outside the circle, there is a cross. And so this circle actually represents someone who's living life completely for themselves. And Jesus is completely outside of their life. So there's no place for Jesus or for God in their life. And then 
there are some people that do make a place for Jesus in their life. And so this, this second picture, it actually moves the cross from outside the circle into the circle. And so this represents a person who they have made a place for God in their life. God is still not at the center of their life, but, you know, they go to church occasionally on Easter and on Christmas and maybe a couple other times throughout the year. You know, they would say, you know, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. You know, they they say. And, and, And so this is a person that, you know, maybe they even wear a cross on a chain around their neck. And they say, yeah, I believe in God. But they really still are putting themselves on the throne of their life. And so God wants to be in our life, but he wants to be more than in our life. He actually wants to take priority in our life. And so this next picture shows what a life looks like once we put Jesus truly on the throne of our hearts. And you'll notice that in this picture, you have Jesus sitting on the the throne right in the center of this person's heart, and they still have their, their self they're in the picture, their, their desires and their wants, but they take second place instead of being the pilot of the airplane. They say, I'm going to sit in the co-pilot seat, and I'm going to let Jesus be the pilot of the airplane. And then the thing about having Jesus at the center of your life is that he helps us to put all the other priorities in our life in the proper order. And so I kind of use this picture as a way to diagnose uh, someone Uh, Just to say, I'll show them the three pictures and explain what the three pictures mean. And then I'll I'll just ask them. I'll say, you know, point to which picture best represents your relationship with Jesus. Would you say that Jesus is completely outside of your life right now? Would you say that Jesus is in your life but really not at the center of your life? Have you really made Jesus the Lord of your life? Or would you say that Jesus is sitting on the throne of my heart? And, And so... Showing these three pictures and saying, which one of these three pictures best represents your place with God right now helps me to know how to minister to someone. And so that's just a little tool that I use to to kind of know how to minister to someone. Um, And then there's another picture that I really like to, to share the gospel. And this is a picture of a bridge. And actually, I use this picture in a visible uh, kind of drama at many of the crusades that I preach at overseas. And so I kind of like to show you how I preach this as a message. Uh, More than a picture, I I visually demonstrate it on the platform often when I preach overseas. And so uh, for this next thing, I would like to get some volunteers. I need some some help. I need four people, actually. Um, I need... Uh, brother, uh, what's your name? Ron, come on up here, if you could come up here. And then right here with the, with the white hair, c- come on. Uh, yeah, c- come on down here. You're, you're perfect for the part that I need here. Come on down. And then uh, I need a couple. Why don't uh, Brother Tyler and your wife, I just met your wife t- this morning for the first time. I hope she doesn't mind if I put her on the spot. But why don't you guys come on up here. All right, uh, so what's your name? Ron, everyone give Ron a great big hand. And what's your name? 
Cliff, everyone give Cliff a great big hand. And we have Tyler and Elise. Give them a great big hand. Okay, uh, so in this uh, visual representation of the, um, of the bridge illustration, um, Brother Ron, you are going to represent Jesus. Don't we have a good-looking Jesus here? And uh, Brother Cliff, you are going to represent God the Father. And so, very distinguished-looking God. Thank you. And uh, Tyler and Elise, you are going to represent Adam and Eve. And so in the beginning of time, God the Father created Adam and Eve. And uh, every day, God would walk with them and God would talk with them. So, Brother Cliff, if you could just go take each of them by the hand and just walk with them around the stage. And, Ron, if you could just step back over here. Yeah, just walk with give them some room here. So they're, they're walking. They're, they're talking. They're hanging out with God. They're having a good time. So this is how it was for Adam and Eve in the garden. Uh, God created Adam and Eve to be his friends. He wanted some friends. And so every day in the evening, God would come. He'd take them by the hand. He would walk and talk with them. And God probably had the best jokes. He made them laugh, and they just had a good old time. Uh, but then something happened. And the thing that happened is that Adam and Eve disobeyed God. God put a tree in the garden called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says, you can have fruit from any tree, but don't take fruit from that tree. And, and so uh, Adam and Eve, uh, they wanted to obey God, but Satan came and tempted them. And, and so Adam and Eve ended up taking fruit from that tree. They ate it. And this sin separated them from God. And so there came a separation. So Adam and Eve, you stay over here, and then God, you go back over here to heaven. And, and so there came this separation between God and man. Well, we're not ready for you yet. Get over here in heaven. All right, and so look at this. There's, there's a big separation between God and humankind, between heaven and earth. And this created a hole in the human heart where people wanted to have that relationship with God. And, and because they didn't have it, people looked for different ways that they could get to heaven. So some people think if I could become religious and pray many times every day, that could help me get to heaven. Uh, other people think if I could study philosophy and I could become very smart, that could help me get to heaven. Other people think if I can just make enough money, I can maybe buy my way into heaven. But no matter what humankind did to try to get to heaven, everything that humans do falls short. And so people have tried these different ways to try to get to heaven, but everything that they've done under human power through human reasoning has fallen short and is not enough to get across this gap between heaven and earth. And so God the Father came up with a plan. One day he called his son Jesus. He says, Jesus, I'm going to send you down to earth, and I want you to make a way for humans to get to heaven. And so Jesus came from heaven down to earth. He was born to a virgin named Mary, and he had disciples. And so this is what Jesus did. He took his disciples by the hand, 
And he began to walk with his disciples and began to talk with his disciples. Every single day, Jesus and the disciples were hanging out, and Jesus was telling them about God the Father and everything. But then some evil men came, and they nailed Jesus to a cross. And so they took his arms. Mitch, uh, uh, Tyler, help me out here. And uh, they crucified him to the cross. There we go. You want to get in on it? Crucify his, his uh, knee. <laughs> All right. And, and then they, they went, they, they, they put nails in his. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and, and so Jesus actually died on the cross. And God the Father put all of the sins of humankind, including Adam and Eve's sin and all the sin, everything any of us have ever done wrong, put that on Jesus. And so Jesus died on the cross. And when Jesus died on the cross, the cross actually became the bridge between earth and heaven. And Jesus became the only way to get to heaven. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so Jesus died on the cross, but he didn't stay dead on the cross. After three days, Jesus rose from the dead. And so, come on, let's see an amazing resurrection here. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, there, there you go. All right, and, and so now, in order to get to heaven, we have to come through the cross. And so stretch out your hands again. And so everyone who wants to get to heaven, what you have to do, you've got to come and kneel down before Jesus and say, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. And when you do that, Jesus will lift you up to your feet and take you to heaven. So, so Tyler, would you like to get saved today? That's good. That's good. We need a youth pastor who's saved. <coughs> and, and so just cry out to Jesus. Say, Jesus, save me. I need your help. I'm a sinner. I repent. Help me get to heaven. <coughs> and Jesus will lift you up. Yeah. And he becomes the bridge for you to get to heaven. Now, now, does your wife want to get saved too? Would you like to? <laughs> Come on. Cry out to Jesus. Oh, you're already saved. You have assurance of salvation. All right. Jesus, bring her over to heaven. All right. And so that way all of us can have fellowship with God the Father. Come on. Give them a great big hand. <laughs> Good job, you guys. Thank you for your help. <laughs> and so we can use that simple picture or diagram of what Jesus becomes. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he became our bridge between heaven and earth. And he is our way to God the Father. So... I had several people uh, that were asking me about my, my sticker on the back of my computer. But then one day I found myself in line at a coffee shop and I didn't have my computer with me. And so uh, I, I had a guy I wanted to witness to and I didn't have my computer with me. And so I realized I needed a way to share the gospel really easily with people with something that I, I carry with me all the time. And one thing that I almost always have on me is my cell phone. And uh, I've found another picture that can help us to communicate the gospel. And I made a sticker of it. And now I put that sticker on the back of my cell phone. And everywhere I go, I kind of have an easy way that I can just pull my phone out and, and show people a, a plan of salvation, how they can get to God. 
And so today, as my gift to you, I would like to give everyone here a sticker that you can put on the back of your phone. And so, uh, ushers, if you could help me out, let's go ahead and go ahead and give one, or uh, you can give a couple of stickers to everyone here. And uh, go ahead and uh, if you want to put it on your phone, you can put it on your phone or you can put it in your Bible. Just put it somewhere where you can have it that you could show people uh, the uh, easy way that they can learn about Jesus. And actually, having this sticker on the back of my phone has really made me better at witnessing. I, I'm called to be an evangelist, and, and so, but this might be hard for you to believe. It's kind of difficult for me to just strike up conversations with people. I, I kind of tend to be introverted in my makeup, and so it's difficult for me to kind of step outside of my comfort zone and actually strike up a conversation with people. My wife, Jessica, actually finds it much easier to start conversations with people. She'll be at the, the store, and, and she'll just grab a salesperson and says, does this look good on me? And, and she, you know, she'll start talking to them, and like five minutes later, they're talking about their kids and sharing all kinds of things. So, so Jessica actually finds it easier. Easier. She's more extroverted, uh, and she's easier. But having this sticker on the back of my phone uh, just reminds me, oh, I should talk to people about Jesus. And often, if I'm standing in line or, or sitting in a coffee shop or just uh, talking to someone, and I'll pull out my phone, you know, and you're always checking your email or whatever. But when I flip it over, I'll, I'll see that sticker. It's like, oh, yeah, that's just a reminder. I should tell this person about Jesus. And, and so if you want to put it on your phone, go for it. Uh, but let me tell you what the, the sticker means. So you'll notice that there are three circles on this sticker. And so the, the place where I start is the circle that has a heart on it. And this circle represents God's perfect plan for your life. This circle tells us that God loves you. God has a great plan for your life. God has a plan for every area of your life. God has a plan for your family. He has a plan for your finances. He even has a, a plan uh, for uh, who you marry. Um, he has a plan for, for every detail of your life. And, and God loves you very much. But You'll notice that there is a, a man here who's running away from God's plan. And so this running man represents sin. Because the problem is that even though God has a perfect plan for everyone's life, many people have run away from God's plan. And when we run away from God's plan, the Bible has a simple word for running away, and that is the word sin. And sin represents uh, the, the, the things that we do to disobey God's commands. Even though God has this great design for our life, you know, we say, I want to live life my way. I want to do things my way. And we run away from God's perfect plan. And so because of that, we come to this second circle, which has all these squiggly lines. And this, this second circle represents a life that has been broken. And many people have broken lives because of sin, either because of their sin or because of someone else's sin. Someone has abused them or hurt them in some way. And because of this, their lives become broken because that's what sin does. Uh, the Bible says that 
Satan, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so Satan and sin always work to destroy people's lives. And when people are broken, they feel hurt on the inside. And when they feel hurt, they begin looking for ways to get rid of that hurt. And so these squiggly lines going in different directions represent the different things that people do to try to get away from the hurt, the pain that they feel in their life because of sin. And so this, this first squiggly line, it could represent relationships. You know, some people, when they're hurt, they think, if I could just get in a good relationship, if I could just find a cute girl or a cute guy who would love me, then that would heal all of the hurt in my heart. But the problem is that when you're broken on the inside, once you get in a relationship, the brokenness in your life will cause brokenness in that relationship. And no matter how cute the guy or girl is, there'll still be something broken. And so relationships are not the solution. Other people think if I can just become very smart, if I go to school for many years, I can figure out intellectually how to cure the hurt that's on the inside of my heart. But the problem is that no matter how uh, smart you are, it's not enough to, to cure the results of sin. Uh, other people think, you know, if I can just become successful, if I can have lots of money, then I can buy my way to happiness. But, you know, if, if you've ever met rich people, you'll find that they have the same human hurts and the same human brokenness that poor people do. Being rich doesn't set us free from the hurt and pain. And so the thing about the hurt that people feel is that it's real. And when people feel hurt, they know that they need to have change in their life. And so people start looking for ways to change. Well, the Bible actually has a word that means change. And the biblical word for change is the word repentance. And so this guy who's kneeling down is repenting and asking God to forgive him and asking God to cure all of the hurt that he's feeling in his heart. And so this guy is repenting, and the reason he's able to repent is because of this next circle, which is what I call the gospel circle. The word gospel is another Bible word, which means good news. And so this circle is God's good news plan for you to be saved. And so this is what God's good news is, is that Jesus, the Son of God, came down from heaven here to earth, and... He brought God's plan of salvation for us. And so Jesus stretched out his hands. He died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And when Jesus was on the cross, Jesus took all of the hurt of humanity, all of the pain of sin, and Jesus took that upon his own back. And when he died, he paid the price for sin. But Jesus didn't stay dead. After three days, Jesus rose from the dead. And today, Jesus is alive. And you'll notice that there's a crown there on top of that circle. That represents Jesus becoming the Lord and Savior of the entire world. And as we read earlier, Romans 10, verse 13, it says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so this rejoicing man, he's got his hands up in the air, and he's rejoicing. And what he's doing is he is actually calling out on Jesus, saying, Jesus, save me. And so if you'll call on Jesus, he will save you from your sins, and he'll save you from all of the brokenness and pain that you feel, and Jesus will bring you back 
to God's perfect plan for your life. And so we come full circle all the way back to God's plan for your life. And so I'd really encourage you, take that sticker, put it somewhere that it will remind you to tell people about Jesus. Um, and I put the explanation for what every, everything means in the, the bulletin, in your study notes. And so you can have that. And I'd encourage you to go through that so that you can remember. Because I was showing this to one person and he really liked it. But then he's like, I couldn't remember what all those hieroglyphics meant. And, and so I put it in there so you could kind of use that as a, a cheat sheet so you could remember kind of the whole gospel story. But uh, I'd encourage you, you know, put that on the back of your phone or put it somewhere that you'll see it and that you'll remember it and, and, and that you can be reminded to look for opportunities to talk to people about Jesus and, and to lead people about Jesus. I was talking to someone uh, recently and they, they said something like, you know, I, I, was, I go to a restaurant, but I don't really like to evangelize. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't evangelizing. And kind of my thought was, well, you, sh you should evangelize. Evangelize just means you're, you're sharing good news. You know, when someone is excited about something, they talk about it all the time. And so, you know, I, I'm, I had a, a friend, he's really into building cars. He, he takes old cars and he rebuilds them. And so every time you talk to him, it doesn't take about five seconds before he pulls his phone out of his pocket. He begins to show me pictures of the latest car that he's working on and, and everything. You know, I, I met a grandma one time and this grandma, she was always talking about her grandkids. You know, why does the guy talk about the cars? Why does the grandma talk about her grandkids? Because that's what is important to her. And so why should we talk about Jesus? Because that is what is important to us. And so no one condemns Mr. Car Guy or Grandma for talking about what's important to them. We should look for opportunities to share Jesus with people and look for ways to share God's good news to the people that we come in contact with. And so how many of you think that you could use a sticker or something like this or use the Romans Road, one of these tools that I've talked about today to talk to people about Jesus. How many of you think you could use one of those? All right. Awesome. I encourage you over the next week or two, look for an opportunity to share Jesus with the people that you come in contact with. Amen? Well, could everyone just bow your head and close your eyes? I have a very important question I want to ask you. Uh, today I've talked about how to be saved. And it may be that you're here today and uh, you would say, I don't know for sure that I'm saved, but I would like to, to know for sure. I showed you the, the three uh, pictures with uh, the person who has themselves on the throne of their heart and the cross is outside the circle. And then the second circle where they've made a place for Jesus, but they still are on the throne of their heart. And then the third circle where the the cross is at the center of their life. And I'd like to ask you today, you know, which one of those three circles best represents where you are in your relationship with God? Maybe you're, you're here today and you say, God is really just completely outside of my life. I haven't made any place for him at all. Or maybe you're the person that would say, yeah, God is part of my life. Um, and I want God to be part of my life, but I really have never made Jesus the center of my life. And, and, and today you'd say, I want to make Jesus the center of my life. Well, then I want to pray with you. If uh, you've been hurting and in pain, you say, Daniel, I've got 
sin in my heart. I've done things that I know that are wrong, but I want Jesus to forgive me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to put Jesus right at the center of my life today. If that's you, just lift up your hand to heaven and I'm going to pray with you. Yeah, every person who wants to put Jesus right at the center of your heart today, just lift up your hand to heaven. Yeah, here in the back, over here on the side, yeah, there's lots of people that have raised their hands. If you really want to say, I want to put Jesus right there at the center of my life today, just lift up your hand high. Let me see it. Yeah, there's many, many of you that are lifting your hand, probably about 10 or 12 of you. All right. I would like to ask everyone to repeat this prayer after me. This is a, a prayer of salvation, a, a prayer of crying out to Jesus and saying, Jesus, save me. Just everyone in here together, repeat this prayer with me. Everyone say, dear God in heaven. Dear God in heaven. Come on, everyone say it together. Dear God in heaven. Dear God in heaven. I cry out to Jesus. I cry out to Jesus. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. I believe. I believe. That Jesus died on the cross. That Jesus died on the cross. To pay the price for my sin. To pay the price for my sin. Jesus, take away my hurt. Jesus, take away my hurt. Take away the effect of sin in my heart. Take away the effect of sin in my Give heart. Give me a brand new start. Give me a brand new start. Today, I make Jesus the Lord of my life. Today, I make Jesus the Lord of my life. Jesus, I put you at the center of my life. Jesus, I put you at the center of my and life. And I choose to serve you. And I choose to serve you. All the days of my life. All the days of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And if you pray that prayer and believe it in your heart, the Bible says you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin and saved from all of the effects of sin, all of the hurt that sin has caused in your life. And so, come on, let's thank Jesus for all the people who decided to put Jesus at the center of their life today. Hallelujah. Come on, clap for Jesus. Isn't that exciting what Jesus does in people's lives? And for those of you who, who raised your hand, um, if at, at the end of the service we're going to have some people up here that are willing to pray with you. And so if you raised your hand today, I'd encourage you to come forward and we'll have people here that will pray with you and talk to you about the decision that you made. So every person who raised your hand at the end of the service, just come forward and we'll have someone here to pray with you. Guys, we're so honored to be your missionaries. I get excited when people get saved, whether it's here in Morinville or it's in the nations of the world. All over the world, people are giving their hearts to Jesus. And so thank you to the Father's House for supporting us. Thank you for helping us to lead people to Jesus. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when just one sinner gets saved. And so we know that heaven is rejoicing this morning because of the decision that some of you made to give your lives to Jesus. And so we invite you to come to our banquet on the 28th. It'll be at 5 o'clock in the evening. We invite you to come. All the information is in your bulletin. Thank you. God bless you guys.